630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's much appreciated. Sometimes we have more fun off the air than on. I just started quizzing Angie Quinnell, our studio operator tonight, about the characters in Charlotte's Web. If you can tell me the name of the rat at 780-496-0063, I will send you an autographed canned ham. Note, autograph and ham not included. Here's what's going on in the NHL. It is now 5-2 Calgary with 8.5 left in the third. Hurricanes and Rangers scoreless after one. Wild and Canucks face off later. Islanders up 2-0 on the Panthers after a 4-2 win. Predators tie their series with the Coyotes with a 4-2 win. And the Maple Leafs shut out the Blue Jackets 3-0. That series is tied at one. The Blue Jays not looking good tonight, trailing the Braves 6-1 in the bottom of the sixth. Well, pleased to be joined by a guy who was briefly an Edmonton Oiler. Best known for playing for the Chicago Blackhawks and getting to lift a very special cup a couple of times. And uh, apparently he thinks Connor McDavid is quite good. Please welcome Chris Versteeg back to the show. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, I, I know we spoke briefly this afternoon and uh, I enjoyed uh, the two or three interviews we got to do when you were briefly an oiler, but I know you're doing some broadcast stuff now. Uh, what have you What have you thought about the playoffs so far? Any any before we get into your McDavid stuff? Any any big uh, bigger surprising storyline in your brain? Well, I, I just think the overall um, tournament so far has been unbelievable. It's been something that has been keeping my mind busy and occupied and i'm sure many other people i know it's been different without the fans and everyone's been getting used to but overall just it's been awesome to have hockey back on especially at this time of the year and man i've been loving it what do you think what have you had an adjustment with no fans or do you think after the first couple shifts it would have been no big deal I think it would be tough. I think it would be tough at times. This is something where if I was a coach, I would look at my fourth line and third line especially and tell them they need to be overly loud and overly annoying almost to keep the energy up. I know there are times when I played in Carolina and Florida, uh, sometimes when the fans aren't in the building, it's tough to manufacture that energy. So this this is going to be a time where these role players really get their their money worth and they're going to have to show up and uh, if I was on Edmonton right now, I'd be patting Connor's back all day long. Well, and you were doing some of that last night. You posted a video on your Instagram account basically saying that, uh, well, you can elaborate. To me, you were basically saying right now Connor McDavid is the best sports human being in the world. Yeah, and, and I'm throwing Patrick Mahomes. I'm telling you, LeBron James, James Harden. These players are all obviously uh, pinnacle players in their sports. There is not one, one to me, that is this dominant at their sport as Connor. It is just, to me, so sad that he is not overly hyped because everyone who is anyone should be going to watch him play, and it is 
after that second goal last night, I couldn't believe that a human being did that. It was something that um, I, I couldn't believe watching it live. I watched it another hundred times again, almost like when I scored in the NHL, I would sit up at night and watch my replays. You know, if I scored probably 50 times, but I watched his about a hundred times last night. So it's, uh, it's something that's so special. They, they need to take this guy and I know his personality and you look at him and he's, uh, he, he doesn't want it. It seems like, but they need to find ways, whether it's Calvin Klein or something, just throw his face on everything and put him out there. Let people see him and let them come to games to watch him because he, he's a talent that I don't know. Maybe we may never see again. I don't know. Do you think, and you played in the NHL and were a pretty good player yourself. Do you think it's, harder for the NHL to do that because hockey tends to be a sport where even the best athletes don't want to separate themselves from the team. I compare that to the NBA where, I mean, heck, Michael Jordan basically did a documentary 20 years after he played just to remind everybody he was the best player on that team, right? <laughs> like yeah, hockey, yeah. Kind of, hockey, I've always thought, has a little different mentality, though. And I'm not saying that he's got to go on his own page and be this individual altogether, but he needs to be sold. He needs to be sold to the public every day for the sport. And and, and this whole thing without suits right now, for me anyways, I, I asked for it three years ago when I talked with the PA. I said, I think it would be good for players to start wearing whatever they want to the arena to show their personalities. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I think it's the best thing to do in order to build another uh, group of people to come watch the sport. People that maybe uh, not watch games ever, but then all of a sudden they see these guys dressing up and showing their personalities through what they're wearing to the game. So that's why right now I'm loving what the Leafs are doing. I would love to see Connor do that because whatever Connor's wearing on his feet right now, I'm pretty sure I'd go out and buy. So it's it's just it's such a huge opportunity for the sport to take this supreme talent and put them uh, on the billboard anywhere they want. And they need to invest in that because the sport needs it in order to grow. And if the people could watch him every single night live, it is well worth the price of admission. So how do you feel about, because remember when he was, when the Oilers won the draft lottery and I know there was all the eye rolling because the Oilers had been so bad for so long and that he was the fourth pick over first overall they were having in, in six years, but there were also some voices who said, Oh, Toronto would have been better because he's easier to market in the East or too bad. He couldn't have somehow wound up being a Ranger because that would have been so much bigger for hockey. Do you buy any of that? Or do you just think a, a star is a star I mean, you mentioned Mahomes. It's not like Kansas City's the biggest city no. in the world, but everybody knows but about it, him. It's the Eastern time zone, right? It's where people are generally watching the most games is at the Eastern time zone because of the way just the way it is with work and everything. They need to find ways to put the Oilers on at 6 p.m. They have to find ways to put them on in prime time for the East Coast to watch them. The NBA does it. They find ways to put LeBron on, They even on the West Coast. They find ways to put all their superstars on at prime times, even on the weekend. Put them on Sunday games. Build your whole schedule around them. It's something you need to do. Sunday games, 4 o'clock out West, 7 o'clock out East. Make sure he's on the primetime Saturday night games too, 4 o'clock. Make sure everyone's watching them. They need to find ways. This is what you have to do when you have a player that's this good. 
I'm really interested that you're saying this, Chris, because when McDavid came to the Oilers, I I wondered if Edmonton would maybe more often be the early game on Hockey Night in Canada. And really, they only are if they play the Canadians, the Senators, or... Well, even not even Ottawa so yeah, much. They're eight o'clock, right? They're, they're, eight, they're o'clock. eight o'clock. Yeah. What is that? What What is that? That's even late for Edmontonians. <laughs> yes, I remember playing games at eight o'clock, and about nine o'clock, I was sleeping on the bench. Sometimes they'd have to wake me up. There is no reason, no reason, the scheduling shouldn't be made around him. He should be scheduled properly throughout the season at prime time, so everyone can watch him. It is. It is in peril for it to happen i think personally and and i'm not i'm not i don't feel like i'm understating this i i feel like i'm kind of understating it actually i feel like this needs to happen people need to watch him and they need to watch him at prime times and it needs an american audience it needs more of a european audience and they need to find ways that even when europe if you're staying up late that you could watch Connor mcdavid play I love this perspective, Chris, especially from somebody who recently played in the league. And and I think you make a great point. And again, to go back to the NFL, the NFL has succeeded because, what, 50 years ago, it embraced television. And now look what the NFL does. They say, okay, we're going to schedule Sunday night games, but if it's a crappy matchup, we're going to change it a week ahead of time or two weeks ahead of time, right? Like, exactly. So it's it's not impossible to change the start times for games. No, it's not. And the NFL's done it. Obviously, like you say, there's one game a week. It's a little bit easier. But that's something Or at the start of the season. They find NBC primetime games for uh, the Hawks. When I was with the Hawks, especially when we were winning with Philadelphia, with Boston. They need every time he's on an East Coast game, he needs to be on NBC. He needs to be on all the top television, you know, whether it's MSG and, uh, and New York. He needs to be on all the prime times on all the East Coast games. And on the West Coast, they need to work the schedule around making sure everyone can watch him. It's the best way to do it. It's the best way to sell a sport. And then going back to the NBA and NFL, the NBA is on this meteoric rise because of fashion. I'm not saying the NHL needs to go that crazy and, and dress as crazy, but they need to find ways to get players to the games because that walk from the car or the bus to the room is a free red carpet non-paid for event red carpet event where these players can show their personalities where a player like Connor mcdavid everyone would be like what's he wearing to the game today you know prior to the game maybe that drags in a new fan because of what Connor's wearing or what he's doing i'm not saying he's going to go dress crazy but these are that's why the nba is on this meteoric rise i know they get to wear shoes on the court too i'm not saying that uh we we, we don't have a we have an unfair advantage compared to the nba for that but there's so many ways we could go about this to market our players and to put more money in their pocket it would be more money in their pocket uh, for the escrow, maybe it would be more money um, to help out the league, the teams, anything. I just feel like there's there's just so much untapped potential for the league, and it has to start with Connor, and they have to start next season or even now start putting them at the best times. Well, and they're they're gonna they might need some help next season because who knows if they're gonna have fans in November or December, right? So <laughs> anything they can do to to generate exactly. a little more. And, and we, can't, we can't go back after this. They'd let the, and I'm not like, I understand the suits. I understand the argument, but it's over. I think, I think it's done. When I was a kid growing up, I had, we were broke. 
they, I, and yet I had to pay for hockey and then go get a suit, right? So the, the suit for me, I think it's something that needs to be let it go. If a player still wants to wear it or represent it and it's part of his uh, personality, wear it, whatever you want, wear whatever you want. But I think it's something that needs to go, and that's that's just something that we need to find a way to keep it going long after this bubble, to keep creating more and more intrigue in the NHL. Well, Chris, you've opened up a lot of topics for me too, and I love how we're working other sports into this. And I enjoy the NBA, and I appreciated the San Antonio Spurs but I didn't watch them a lot because I knew the game was going to be 82-75. I got more interested in the NBA about five years ago when Steph Curry started shooting three-pointers every 14 seconds, right? (laughs) That brought me back a little bit. If if you're watching a game that pop coaches, it's generally going to be low scoring and and boring, right? Even with Tony Parker and Ginobili and them there. But um, Bryson DeChambeau, not many people like him, but he's hitting the ball 430 yards right now. (laughs) right? Just things that draw you in. We need to find that. Uh, Chris, this was great to have you on. Uh, we should talk a little bit about the hockey before I let you go. Oilers, uh, good bounce back game. Uh, I still think there's a lot of room for growth in their game, especially in their own end, but they got the saves and the stops they needed last night. And obviously we talked about uh, McDavid's explosive plays. Uh, what do you think through two games against your former team, the Hawks? Yeah, I, I, th- there's been a lot of mistakes in this series so far, for sure. And uh, the power play for Edmonton, they're they're going to need to find guys uh, to get involved in the game, throw their depth. They're going to need to give Connor, and, and Leon's going to have to step up as well a little bit more than he did in the second game. But that's obviously always a good sign that there's more for him to give as well. So uh, you need the role players to step up and do their job, even if it's being a clock killer, basically. They're going to have to find ways to keep the pucks out of their net, let Connor, let Leon, and let the other players that will, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, too, create that offense and do their thing. But this is going to be a team effort to beat the Hawks. The Hawks are, again, in a rebuild, too. They're they're finding their way. Um, so this is, a, this is definitely a series for Edmonton to win if they all buy in and they get the job done as a team and and understand uh, the the one common goal and and that's uh, basically get the puck to connor (laughs) chris this was awesome to talk to you well we'll have to talk again during the postseason always enjoy your perspective hope you're having a great night hope everybody's healthy and happy in your world thank you so much for sure take care that is Chris Versteeg checking in tonight. Uh, of course, two stints with the Chicago Blackhawks, a couple of Stanley Cups, Toronto, Philly, Florida, L.A., Calgary, was briefly uh, an oiler during the preseason until he signed with the Calgary Flames. So you, you heard him say it. He's talking about everything from TV coverage to players' fashion and, uh, and all those guys of things. Uh, Brian texted. He says, what's Connor wearing? Are you kidding, Chris? As far as the suits, I like them. Just my opinion. Um Another texture says Connor could care less about fashion. He cares about winning. Yeah, probably true, but I, I thought Chris had an interesting perspective. And Peter says, I'm a Colorado fan, and I completely agree with every word Chris is saying. They need to showcase Connor to everyone. I think with the TV coverage, for sure, Chris Chris has a point. You can let me know what you think. 780-496-0063. Calgary's up 6-2 on Winnipeg. Back after the break. The Flames have beaten the Jets 6-2 to take a 2-1 series lead. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm in my basement 
I'll be in studio tomorrow for the game broadcast. Oilers and Blackhawks face-off show at 6, game at 8.30. Angie Quinnell back at the studio. Angie, did we have a caller asking about the postseason format? Yes, we did. There. Okay, so just, just a reminder for, uh, for those of you not sure how it's going. 12 teams in the Western Conference made the playoffs, also 12 in the East, but we'll focus on what's happening in Edmonton. They ranked them 1 through 12 based on points percentage instead of points because they didn't all play the same number of games. The top four teams are playing each other in a round robin, and they will be placed one through four based on the results of that little mini tournament. So those teams cannot be eliminated during this first stage. The other teams, ranked five through 12, got paired off, five against 12, uh, six against 11, and so on, and they're playing best of five series. The losers are out, the four winners advance, and then they'll play series against the top four teams from that round robin. That's sort of a summary of how it works. Tell you what, uh, what do you think of what Chris Versteeg said about the TV coverage, though? Uh, I mean, we're lucky to have McDavid here in Edmonton, but does the NHL and the TV networks do a good enough job, do they do a good enough job, of getting the stars on in all time zones that are approachable for viewers? Like, would you live with maybe, you know, a more two o'clock start times in Edmonton if it meant that, uh, you know, McDavid's getting more exposure around North America and helping the league as a whole? Should, should the Oilers play at five o'clock on Saturdays more? You know, so he can be seen in the East and it's a little more convenient time for everybody here. Let me know what you think. All right, Darnell Nurse and the Oilers tomorrow, 8.30, Game 3 against the Hawks at Rogers Place. Chicago will be the home team for Games 3 and 4, so it'll be the Oilers in their white jerseys. I uh, I do not know what dressing room or what bench they're going to be on. The Hawks do have the Oilers dressing room for tomorrow's game. Here's what has happened in the NHL to this point. I mentioned the Flames beating the Jets 6-2 to go up 2-1 in the series. Midway through the second period, Hurricanes and Rangers tied 1-1. Carolina going for the sweep. Islanders beat the Panthers 4-2 to go up two games to nothing. Maple Leaf shut out the Blue Jackets 3-zip. Jake Muzzin taken off on a stretcher in that game. Looked like uh, some sort of a neck injury. Hopefully he is okay. That series is 1-1. Predators beating the Coyotes 4-2. I'll be honest with you, I've not seen much of that series, uh, but it's tied 1-1. And the Wild and the Canucks will start in about uh, an hour and 10 minutes or so at Rogers Place. And the Blue Jays trail Atlanta 6-1 in the bottom of the seventh, that game in Atlanta. All right. I am pleased to be joined by one of the most popular guests in the history of inside sports, or at least in the seven years I've been hosting. The play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels of the Western Hockey League, the legend himself, Cam Moon. Hello, Cam. Wow, that's a build-up. Holy cow. I don't know if I can live up to the billing. What are you doing right now? Uh, I'm, at a, uh, I'm at a baseball practice. I'm helping, <laughs> playing out Red, I'm helping out with Red Deer Minor Baseball. Okay, I was going to say, are you playing or coaching? You are coaching. No, coaching, yes. This is uh, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. So uh, with everything that's happened... Unfortunately, all of them, their their seasons kind of went in the garbage. And what uh, Red Deer's done is they've at least at least we've got a couple practices a week, and we've been able to get some just games amongst this group, this age group, amongst themselves, because uh, you can't travel out of your zone. And 
they really have nobody else to play. So at least at least they're getting something in this summer. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel for all the the minor sports that have been affected by this. I mean, I know we got to be safe and be smart, but kind of a yeah. lost spring and summer. We'll see what happens with hockey going into the fall. But I'm glad there's some participation, and I assume in baseball you can do your best to sort of distance and uh, not be crashing into each other and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, if there's you know if there's one game that uh, lends itself to social distancing, I would say it's this one. So yeah, that that part, the safety measures there have been been pretty easy to take care of all right well we wanted to get you on the show because of course uh you are a uh, very proudly uh the red deer rebels play-by-play announcer and you are very proudly watching some rebels make impacts uh, former rebels make impacts in different ways so far in the postseason well we'll start with the guy who is uh, at the top of a lot of people's i'm in love with this player list here in edmonton of course the nuge and of course, you love the young man, oh, and you're yeah. seeing him with Connor, and you're seeing him rack up points. And you know, it doesn't hurt that that he plays for the Oilers, so that that definitely helps it for me too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Ryan has played really well in these first two games. Uh, he he's just such a smart player. His his hockey IQ is is just it's off the chart, and he can be he can be whatever you need him to be. Like he can be a good defensive player when you need him to. He can, he can kill penalties. He can he can play on the power play. He can be, uh, you know, a scoring forward if that's what you need. He, he can do so many different things because he's got such a good head on his shoulders and, and he thinks the game so well. So I'm really happy to see him have that success. Uh, I can't wait till he inks his next long-term deal with the Oilers, which I really think is going to happen. And I'm very, I'd be really happy when it does happen. So I'm not surprised by his success, but I'm very happy to see it. Yeah, Nugent Hopkins with six points through two games in the postseason did get his first playoff goal in game one, kind of overshadowed because it wasn't a great night for the Oilers. But it's interesting, Cam, because, you know, we've been getting some comments. Is, is there something wrong with Leon? Is Leon game, is there something wrong with Leon's game? I don't think so. First of all, I think the Hawks know they have to try to check the heck out of Leon or, or yeah. he's going to kill them. But what happens? Nugent Hopkins goes to Leon's line. Leon takes off a little bit. Nugent Hopkins goes back to McDavid's line. McDavid takes off a little bit. I, I, I don't think that's just a coincidence. No, it most certainly is not. Uh, in the two years that Ryan played for the Red Deer Rebels, that is uh, one thing that was very evident actually right from day one whoever plays with ryan is going to be a better player and, and that's the mark of a good player is you make everybody better around you and and, and that's what nudes does he, he makes everybody better around him he's doing it at the national hockey league level so yeah not surprising and i think i think leon dreisaitl is going to be just fine uh, yeah chicago is, is checking him awfully tough right now and you would think, though. I mean, the guy was leading uh, scoring in the regular season. You're going to key on the guy. Uh, so I, I think, you know, hopefully his breakout game is uh, tomorrow night for uh, Leon Dreisaitl. And, uh, and I hope Ryan continues the success he's had in his first two. Another former Rebel who has taken center stage, who has taken center ice, literally, before game one between the Blackhawks and the Oilers, Matt Dumba of the Minnesota Wild. Um, has a, uh, a parents. Uh, one parent is white, the other parent is Filipino. He talked about some of uh, the 
you know, stereotypes and racism that he faced uh, when he was a young player and not easy necessarily for a hockey player or anybody to speak up like he did. Tell us a little bit about the Dumba you knew as, as a young man and what you're seeing now. I, I'm seeing now what I saw here. Uh, he was a real take charge guy and, and he could wear a letter for you at a young age because that's the way he was. I mean, we had him in Red Deer at 16, 17, and 18. At the start of 19, he was with Minnesota. Eventually, they were going to send send him to junior, but that 19-year-old year, the Rebels weren't having a great season, so they traded his rights to Portland. He played the second half of the year with the Portland Winterhawks. They went to the Western League final, eventually losing to the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, but Matt is uh, hes a great hockey player, and he's an even better person, uh, just real take charge lead kind of guy uh when he played on the hockey canada's under 18 team when he played on the national u18 team i I was the media guy for hockey canada because that year the rebels didn't make the playoffs and uh, i went with the team to czech republic and matt dumbo was on that team and matt was the captain of that team and there's the reason he was the captain is because he could just take charge and that he's a, he's not afraid to speak up when needs when something needs to be said, and he's not afraid to get out in front of something. And I, you know, the other uh, day there before the the Oiler game, and and Matt went up there. That took a lot of courage, and to be to do that in front of a big TV audience, which you know, but even more so your peers of uh, two teams of the opposition right there. That that took some jam. And Matt's got a lot of it. I've uh, after that speech, I've never been more proud of him. Uh, I just think he's he's such a quality guy, and uh, and not surprising. Mom and dad are, are outstanding. They're from Calgary. They were at every Rebels home game. We would see them uh, the whole time Matt was with us, and you get to know them so well that uh, I'm. It, I just love seeing good things happen to good people. Matt Dumba is good people. Cam Moon joining us tonight, play-by-play voice for the uh, Red Deer Rebels. We'll talk, we're talking about some former Rebels who are having an impact in the uh, playoffs so far. I mean, we should touch on uh, on Darcy Kemper. I mean, he's such an interesting uh, player to me because you never really talk about him as a player who you think is a, a top-notch goalie, but you look at his stats the last three or four years, and it's like, geez, he's like over 925 save percentage, except for a little blip with Arizona three years ago. Isn't it crazy? Like, and Darcy Kemper, uh, it, it, he is a great example for any youngster out there that maybe went really late in the WHL Bantam draft or didn't go at all. Like, Darcy Kemper didn't play in the WHL as a full-time guy till he was 18. So he played AAA Midget in Saskatchewan at 16 and 17. He came to the Rebels at 18. He was originally drafted, albeit later, by the Spokane Chiefs. They didn't have any room for him. So they moved him to the Rebels, and I, we didn't give up much. A mid to late pick for Darcy Kemper. Comes to us at 18, and he's lights out at 18. Then he's even better at 19. And then at 20, he's uh, the WHL goaltender of the year. And he just kept getting better and better to the point where uh, you could see that not only is this guy going to be a pro, he's probably going to be an NHLer, and he's probably going to be an above-average NHLer. And I don't know how many guys, if you go through 
all the guys that played major junior before they went to the NHL, how many of them were playing AAA midget at, at 17 years old? Uh, I would say very few. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if it's just Darcy Kemper. So right. <laughs> uh, he, he's had to work real hard to get to where he is. Always has a smile on his face. Uh, the happiest guy at the rink every day. And uh, that's good to see him having the success he's having. All right. Well, yeah, all, I, I know there's other players, but we'll have to give them some love a little bit later on because uh, I, I know you got to get back to practice. Uh, quick, give me give me 30 seconds on uh, keys for the Oilers tomorrow in Game 3. Oh, baby. Uh, <laughs> I, hope they're, uh, I hope they stay out of the penalty box. Uh, I hope they're really solid in their own end. I, I have got a lot of faith in uh, Miko Koskinen. I think he's going to be fine. I think defensively, team needs to play well. Uh, it looks like offensively, they're generating chances, they're generating goals, and I hope that continues. Cam, enjoy the rest of practice. Of course, we will speak to you again soon. Really appreciate it, buddy. My arm's wearing out, Reed. I don't have much left. <laughs> like, I'm barely getting through this. We need you to. We just need you to get one out in the bottom of the seventh to transition to our closer. That's all we need. Honest <laughs> to God, I can't even throw it from third to first without a cutoff cutoff person. Like it's bad. I'm That's why the mad. pitcher is there. I guess it's embarrassing. Oh, Cam, you're the best. We'll see you, man. Oh yeah, I'll talk to you. Thanks. Cam Moon, play-by-play voice for the Red Deer Rebels, needs a cutoff man for the throw from third to first. That's a tough throw. I'd probably have to roll it. Just kind of do a lawn bowling. <laughs> I would just lawn bowl it from third to first. Talking about the Nuge, Dumba, Kemper, three former Red Deer Rebels making an impact so far in this postseason. Really appreciate it that you've tuned in tonight. Uh, Richard has texted in. He says, I don't agree with Christopher Stieg at all. I'm proud of hockey's traditions. I think that the hockey culture is different from other sports. I don't think it's professional the way NBA players dress. I like the team mentality of hockey. People will tune into whatever the hell time the game is on if they want to watch legitimately out of passion and not convenience. That is from Richard. Yeah, Richard, I think, you know, interesting perspective from Chris about that players should be able to dress how they want to the rink. That, that doesn't have a huge impact on me, but... I, I don't agree with that other part you said, though, Richard. I, I don't think that if you're marketing something, you can say, this is our product and we're going to tell you how you consume it. I, I understand what you're saying. And we live in Canada and we live in Edmonton. And the Oilers are often the, the biggest thing happening in the city, certainly when they get into the playoffs. Um so, yeah, if there was an Oilers playoff game at 2 a.m., it would probably get a lot of viewers and listeners here on 6.30 Ched. But what Chris was saying is when you have a star like McDavid, you have to get him on screens across North America because that's how you get people excited about hockey is you show the best the sport has to offer, right? If you're, um, you know, if you're an author and you want somebody to read your, your books – and you've written six books, you're probably going to want them to read your best book first because then they're going to think you're really good. So I, I think that's what Chris was saying. Get them on NBC. Put them in prime time in the East, not at 10 or 10.30. So I, I don't think that the league can just say, you know, here's our product, and if you like it that much, you'll just like it. And to, to heck with when the games are. I think sometimes you have to adjust. And I think they do do that to some extent. I also think that there is another step that they can uh, they can take that to. 7804960063 to call or text. We're back after the break.
Well, you'll be seeing James Reimer on the highlight reel tonight doing some great work in the Hurricanes net. They and the Rangers tied 1-1 after two periods as the uh, Hurricanes go for the sweep there. They're up 2-0 in the best of five. Oilers and Blackhawks tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30 Chet. The game will start at 8.30. The teams will play again on Friday in Game 4. We don't know yet when that game will start, but we will have it for you on 6.30 Chet. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow, so he'll have the latest Oilers news leading into that game. I certainly would expect Miko Koskinen in goal once again and uh, probably the same lineup for Edmonton, barring any uh, bumps and bruises that we might not know about. We're media not attending practice I was going to say, so I'm in the dark. I, I'm sure many of you would argue I'm in the dark even when I do attend practice, but I, I don't have line combinations or, or things like that. Rory has texted. He said, Reed, your office chair is squeaky. Might be. It kind of hits the table sometimes. And by the way, Rory, it's not an office chair. I am literally, like they said, Chris Pronger could play defense in a rocking chair. I am sitting in a rocking chair. Did you know that, Angie? I Ever since I moved to the basement, I've been doing the show in a rocking chair. Here's a little tidbit about myself I'm going to share with you. And if you're one of our 14 regular listeners, it may have occurred to you, I'm a bit of a nerd. Uh, when I was a teenager, I asked for a rocking chair for Christmas. Then my parents got me a rocking chair. I am in that rocking chair 30-some years later, hosting a radio show on 630 Chet, which, of course, I used to listen to as a teenager when it played Top 40 music. So there you go. I So that is my similarity to Chris Pronger. We both, he, you know, was allegedly could have done his job in a rocking chair. I am actually doing my job in a rocking chair. <laughs> Daniel says, a rocking chair. How old are you? I find it comfortable, Daniel. I find it very soothing to sit in a nice wooden rocking chair. They probably, I think they got it at Leon's, not dry sidles. <laughs> I can see Leon dry sitting in a rocking chair. Uh, I don't know. I like it. I'm very comfortable, but I'm sorry if it's squeaky. We, we do get the odd noises down here sometimes, but luckily I was doing, I was doing laundry the other day. I think the dryer buzzer might've gone on air. Oh, well. <laughs> Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three to uh, call or text. Uh, Angie, uh, go get the uh, Dave Tippett clip out of the file. Sorry for spring this on you. Uh, the one where he talks about the Oilers' defensive improvement in Game Two. I think that's pretty relevant. Give up half the chances we gave up the first game. So the first game was loose. Like I say, we got chased in that game. We were very loose last night. We were we were pretty detailed. We. There wasn't a lot. We didn't give up a lot five on five. They had a bunch of shots on the power play that uh, we blocked most of them. So our defensive details were much better last night. There's still some areas that we can uh, continue to uh, look to improve every game. But but we were much closer to where we need to be defensively last night than we were game one. Yeah, I think an improvement defensively for the Oilers. Still think there is some work to do. I think they want to close up some of the gaps, play a little harder down low in their own end, but also the best defense off in a good offense, and they were able to grind away a lot more shifts in the Hawks' end of the rink last night. They'll try to keep it going tomorrow. You heard from Justin Bourne, Cam Moon, and Chris Versteeg. You ever miss anything, sign up for the Inside Sports Podcast or go to the show page on 630 chedcom Don't forget, Stoffer has Oilers now at noon tomorrow. 
Face-off show at 6, game at 8.30, Game 3, Oilers and Hawks. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Angie Quinnell, your studio operator this evening. My name's Reed Wilkins. Have a great evening. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.